the covert narcissists tend to be much more stealth about how they go about things. They're more passive aggressive. The problem with negotiating with narcissists is that they don't just want to win. They also enjoy the process of manipulating you, seeing you squirm, uh, making your life miserable. And that's why they constantly move the goalposts. That way the process is ongoing. You don't ever win. Correct. Hello, everyone. Chris Voss here, and I'm talking to my good friend, Rebecca Zung. Rebecca Zung is one of the top 1% of attorneys in the nation. She's been recognized by U.S. News as one of the best lawyers in America. She's also a globally recognized narcissism negotiation expert. She got more than 35 million views on YouTube in two years, and she's a creator of the Slay Negotiation Method, which is uh, how to deal with narcissists. She's the author of the book, Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win, which is a book that I wrote the foreword to because I believe in Rebecca and the things that she does. And she also has two other best-selling books, Negotiating Like You Matter, The Surefire Method to Step Up and Win, and Breaking Free, a step-by-step -step divorce guide for achieving emotional, physical, and spiritual freedom. And this is really what Rebecca is about in her coaching for people that are dealing with narcissists, which is really about these three freedoms, emotional, physical, and spiritual. Her perspectives are on high demand by television and print outlets. She's been featured on Extra, Forbes, Huffington Post, Newsweek Time, Dr. Drew, just a whole host of things. She's got a podcast, Negotiate Your Best Life, and it's ranked as one of the top 0.5% of all podcasts globally. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for being on with me today. Thank you. I love the tools. I think they're very useful. They're very practical. I think people should pay attention to what you teach and how you teach it. And I think that you really empower people. So let me start off here. You know, how did you come to start talking about negotiating with narcissists in the first place? I used to talk about how I ended up doing this because I had a narcissistic business partner, which is the truth, a few years ago. But I really think it kind of started off from the beginning back when I was bullied as a kid in elementary school because I was Asian. And, you know, I, I grew up in McLean, Virginia. When my parents went to go get married in the 60s, it actually wasn't legal yet. My dad was a physician in uh, DC. He was chief of anesthesia of one of the hospitals there, but it still wasn't legal yet. Interracial marriage. Yes. Right, right. So even, even though it's theoretically one of the more progressive parts of the world, not that progressive at the time. And so I was bullied regularly for being half Asian. And it was very uh, uh, traumatic for me. And I think, you know, that whole experience for me was the beginning of me feeling voiceless at the time. Something happened to you deep inside, which helps you resonate with other people who you discover feel disempowered. They feel like they've lost their power and the experience that imprinted on you early in life, really wanted to make you a champion for these people. Absolutely. And, and so I grew up as feeling like I wanted to be an advocate for people early on and be, became an advocate for people as an It probably attorney. led to you wanting to become an attorney. You wanted to yes. be an advocate. You want to be a champion for people that need champions. It, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and my mother is German. And, you know, so I always say I have no fun genes whatsoever, being half Chinese and half German, right? You had, so, what, what's that? No fun genes? Is that what no you said? No fun genes. You know, the half German and half Chinese. It's all like uh, you know, very, you know, organized and very, you know, efficient. A lot of these cultural overlays, whether it be an Asian overlay or German overlay or even um, what might be described as a racist overlay, they, they really sort of suppressed who you were as a human being. Yes, Definitely. 
you know, it wasn't until high school that I started to feel more into my power. What was it that was in that time frame of your life that, that started to open you up as a human being? I started to get a little bit more attention for my looks um, as, as a teenager. And then I definitely, you know, excelled as a student. You didn't let the fact that you were attracted distract you from being a hard worker. No. So I graduated second in my class from high school, but then I definitely rebelled against that. I got married at 19 the first time and I had three kids by the time I was 22. I dropped out of college and uh, then I got divorced and went back to law school at night as a single mom. That's an incredible journey. That requires a lot of organization, dedication and belief in yourself, doesn't it? It definitely did. And I, you know, I made law review and, you know, I did all these things as a single mom working full-time as a teacher in inner city schools in Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, it was very, very difficult time in my life. During that time in my twenties, I, I met my husband while I was in law school. And then I built one of the top family law practices in the country at that time. Up until a few years ago, I was living in Naples, Florida. I was representing billionaires, celebrities. You really established your expertise in a marketplace. Absolutely. You know, as one of the top family law attorneys in the country. So I merged my practice with two other guys a couple of years ago and you moved to California, moved, moved to Los Angeles. We still kept, you know, a condo in Naples and I was traveling back and forth. So I would do commentating when big divorces would break. Then I got into this entrepreneurial endeavor with somebody who turned out to be a covert narcissist a few years ago. What does a covert narcissist look like? First of all, I'm going to tell you, I did not know that women could be narcissists. I thought a narcissist, frankly, was a male, misogynistic, blowhard. A loud male bully. Loud male bully. That's what I thought a narcissist was. Right. And I think that everybody needs to know this because... I did not know that a covert narcissist existed. How did you discover that title? Did you coin that phrase? A friend of mine who happened to be a psychologist while I was finishing up this relationship with this particular business partner said to me, she's a covert narcissist. And I was like, what is that? And I, being the German Chinese person that I am, dove into every single book that I could and ravaged into this and learned what it was. And that's how I figured this out. And it sounds like it was a very aha moment. I mean, you were Huge. you were confronted with a problem and as soon as somebody labeled it for you, the light bulb went on over your head. Huge. And I was already a negotiation expert, mind you. That's how I built my practice. I always joke that I've spoken to every rotary from Sarasota down to Marco Island on how to negotiate. You, you know, that's doing the hard work, don't you? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's how I built my practice, right? So I definitely knew how to negotiate, but I, I didn't know anything about, you know, how to negotiate with a narcissist, which is a very, very, very different animal. Um, right. And what are the differences? First of all, let me, let me answer your question about a covert narcissist. So a narcissist is a person who derives all of their value from external sources. And a 
they, they don't have any feeling of value inside. It's a bottomless pit. You might want to fill it too, but it'll never be filled. And it is a legitimate personality disorder, but it's a spectrum. The closer and closer you get toward, toward it, there's narcissistic traits and tendencies. And so, you know, in some ways we all have some, some traits and tendencies toward it. Right. But, but, you know, the closer and closer you get toward getting there, it's more and more and more, right? More damaging the behaviors to the people around them. Of course, of course. But what they need is what we call narcissistic supply. And so um, there's two types of what I call narcissistic supply, and it's diamond level supply. I call it diamond level supply and coal level supply. Those are my terms. And so diamond level supply is, is that external, how they look to the world. And that's, you know, big houses, impressive friends. Uh, ostentatious. Know, they like to be very ostentatious. It's, well, it's the good things in the world. It's like, it's the, you know, the big cars, the, the money, the how they impress the world. That's, that's the diamond level supply. A narcissist will protect and defend that type of supply for anything, anything. Sacrificing the people around them. Even for. if it's ill-gotten, okay? Um, and then there's what I call coal-level supply, which is uh, controlling people, debasing people, manipulating people. Uh, you know, that's the, what the, kind of the dark underbelly of narcissistic supply, making them feel good by making other people be small. Okay, but they also get supply from that. Criticism, lowering the people around lowering them, people. running them down. But they're both forms of narcissistic supply, but one is slightly better than the other. But here's the myth about narcissists. Most people think narcissists just want to win. Okay, but that myth is totally wrong. And that is the problem with negotiating with narcissists. The problem with negotiating with narcissists is that they don't just want to win. They also enjoy the process of manipulating you. And so the reward is, is not the outcome, the reward is the process. They also enjoy the process of manipulating you, seeing you squirm, uh, making your life miserable. They're sadistic. And that's why they constantly move the goalposts. That way the process is ongoing. You don't ever win. Correct. And so when you think about a covert narcissist, a covert narcissist is actually way more stealth. A covert narcissist, everybody thinks they're wonderful. Everybody thinks they're kind. They could be a humanitarian. They could be uh, one of the kindest, most lovely people on the outside. The covert narcissist is more of a passive aggressive narcissist. Wow. They're, they're more of a, 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 a really a much stealthier, smarter kind of a narcissist. The kinds of things that they do are um, much more underhanded. The, the grandiose narcissist is the one who goes into a restaurant, demands the best table, tells everybody how great they are. They're the ones that you think of more of like the Donald Trump kind of a guy, right? Sort of the stereotype that you were thinking stereotype. about before. The covert narcissists tend to be much more stealth about how they go about things. They're more passive aggressive. They're the ones who will do things like inadvertently leave your name off an email and go, oh my gosh, I thought I, I had your name on that email chain. I, I don't know how that happened. They like to be really innocent in their behavior. Oh, I always say they have the clean hands. There's always that plausible deniability with them, with everything that they do. Sort you know? of, and if they, they exploit your tendency to want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but they're constantly screwing up. Constantly. They couch their things in care a lot of times, you know, like, 
oh, I'm so concerned about um, Susie's uh, drinking. I saw her drinking um, last night and, um, you know, just really concerned about her drinking. Susie probably doesn't have a drinking problem at it's all. It's conspiratorial and it undermines somebody else. Correct. But they couch it in concern right. or care. You know, it's, it's extremely manipulative. But they're, so the covert narcissist is much stealthier much stealthier than the overt or grandiose narcissist. Much more dangerous. They're playing their best intentions. Yes. So my SLAY method stands for strategy, leverage, anticipate, and you. And so you create a strategy first. So the strategy is your vision. You know, where are you going? And a lot of times when you're dealing with a narcissist, you're in such trauma you know, and a lot of times with the people that I'm dealing with, you know, they, they've been in such trauma and they have cognitive dissonance. They're dealing with, you know, what, what we call CPTSD, which is a complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which is in a lot of times worse than PTSD because PTSD is when you've dealt with maybe one incident, like a, an accident or war or something, complex post-traumatic stress disorder is an ongoing continuous thing that you've been dealing with for years, Right. So, so the difference between one gaping wound and death by a thousand cuts. Death by a thousand cuts, correct. And so, you know, complex post-traumatic stress disorder is something where you might have, a, you know, an autoimmune disorder. You have ongoing, you know, uh, stress problems because of many, many years of dealing with something, right? And so you probably have cognitive dissonance, you can't think straight, brain fog, something like that. So many times the victims of narcissistic personality disorder are already not thinking clearly. They don't know it because they've been victimized in very small ways and they can't quite put their finger on exactly what the problem is. Right. I mean, they've been dealing with gaslighting for years or something, even if it's a business partnership, frankly. And I know because I was in this business partnership and you only victimized for, yourself. for a year. You know, and it was so traumatic for me. And they don't attach themselves to you because you have so little value, by the way. They attach themselves to you because you have so much. So the slay method is you build a strategy where you have a vision. Where are you going? You know, if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there. And then you create an action plan. Now you're going to build some leverage. And your leverage has to be, when you're dealing with a narcissist, you have to threaten a source of supply that's going to be more important for them to keep than the supply that they're getting from jerking you around. This is going to be difficult for somebody who is a person who goes, you know what? I, I just want to settle. I just, I don't want to fight. But you know, if you don't want to fight, you have to build that bridge. This is the you part. You've got to take care of yourself, don't you? You do. Throughout everything that you talk about, I think... Your entire approach is very much about helping someone empower themselves when they've been victimized. How does somebody who feels overwhelmed start? I say step one, don't run. You know, step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step three, break free because you are course correcting. You want to go from being on the defensive all the time to course correcting 180 degrees, right? So it's baby steps to go 180 degrees from where you are now. Right. So the very first step is... Many times, just one boundary, one boundary. It, and if that very first boundary that, that you're throwing up is, I'm not going to be spoken to in a way that's disrespectful, then that's a really good boundary to first start with. You know, just start with, you know, 
how are you going to be spoken to? Just start somewhere is I think what I'm really hearing you say. And also it might be what your gut instinct is triggering with you is the first thing that's really punching your buttons. Yeah. I mean, you can start with, you know, I like to start with just looking at it as a third party, looking at it as, you know, not taking this personally, looking at it as they have an issue. Here, here's one thing that I learned in my research that I thought was really, really fascinating. And Chris, I think you'll find this really, really fascinating too, really fascinating. And that is how the, the brain physiology of, of a narcissist, you know, took place. And, right. and that, that is that, um, you know, we know that as adults, as, as human beings, um, when we are in fight or flight, our brains emit chemicals. Which tends to fog our thinking. It happens in children as well. And so when children are, um, are exposed to trauma on a regular basis, when their brains are forming, it alters them. It actually it alters the brain and it actually causes arrested development in the limbic system of the brain. Mm-hmm. And the narcissists have gotten formed in the first place. Right. And so what happens is then it causes injury to the brain. And so while the prefrontal cortex of the brain continues to develop, the limbic system part of the brain did not. And mm-hmm. so when narcissists are then you know growing up and becoming adults and they then are presented with stimuli that causes them to feel threatened in some way even though it doesn't seem rational to us it it, or reasonable to us they feel threatened in some way then that part of their brain becomes activated again and so, you know, it could be an eye roll, it could be a tone of voice, it could be anything. Then that part of their brain becomes activated again, and they go back into that survival mode. And it, it's, it's called narcissistic injury. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, then that narcissistic rage can come flying out. And so it, it, they literally, during that period of time, can not even remember what they are doing or saying during that period of time. So, I mean, I think the underlying message here too is for people not to take this personally. It's not about you. They can't help themselves. They cannot help themselves. You, you're extracting is even more necessary because you didn't do anything wrong. You did not do anything wrong. That's part of the equation. The other part of the equation that we all need to understand here is that you are literally not dealing with a person who is rational, who is reasonable, we, are, we need to understand that when you're dealing with a person who is a narcissist, who is a true full-blown narcissist, you cannot negotiate with this person in the same way that you are negotiating with the person who is anybody else. You cannot. The same rules do not apply, right. period. Right. End of story. Right. So what, what has worked with other people is just not going to work with them because it's They're not. And, and so when you sit down at the table, they, they will take themselves down to take you down. And that's the thing that is right. mind blowing. Right, right, right. They'll destroy themselves. It, it makes no sense because it's self-destructive behavior on their part. It's absolutely true. They will self-sabotage to take you down. And, and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but it, that is the absolute truth. 
And so you have to build this leverage. You have to understand the slave method methodology. You have to understand that you have to build something that is going to potentially threaten a source of narcissistic supply that is going to be more important for them to protect or defend than, than the supply that they get from manipulating you. This is beautiful stuff. And I, and I know we could talk about this for hours. What I really want to make sure people know is how they can find you. How can they find your book? Where can we send people so that when they dig into this to defend themselves, they can come to you? So slaythebully.com is where they can get the book. And um, if you go there, you can get tons and tons and tons of really great bonuses right now. And, um, it, you know, we, we're giving away so many amazing, amazing things right now. So slaythebully.com. And then, of course, my YouTube channel is uh, Rebecca Zung ESQ. And, of course, Instagram at Rebecca Zung. And, um, yeah. That's really the best places to find me. So that was absolutely brilliant. And you give people a lot of actionable, useful tools so that they can empower themselves and in many ways reclaim their own lives. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And Chris, I really, really adore you and appreciate you too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much, Rebecca.